This is Cruise Radio. If this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything, it is to always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Welcome to this week's episode of Cruise Radio. I'm excited about this week's show more than usual. Because I have Chad Elwertoski coming on in just a little bit. This is the guy who just straight up bought a cruise ship that was for sale. He's turning it into floating condos off the coast of Panama. You can bid on one of these cabins for $25,000. It's both bizarre and intriguing. So Chad is going to stop by and unpack this and how you can get yourself a floating condo at sea. Also, staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. Hey, buddy. Hey, Doug. Thanks for having me. A federal judge in Miami has different plans for Carnival Corporation returning to service. Yeah, this is the same judge who you'll remember um, a year or so ago came down very hard on Carnival, um, sort of threatened that if they didn't get their environmental act together, she was going to prevent them from sailing out of any port in the United States. Nothing really came of that. But now as we start you know, heading toward ramping up for the return to service again, she is now saying that she might put out an order that says that they have to basically give her 60 days in, they notify her 60 days in advance before they re-enter water so that she can get each ship certified, meaning, um, and it's a little unclear whether she means each ship that is planning to sail as it's going to sail or all the ships at once. For example, you know, Carnival has talked about the fact that they're only going to sail a couple of ships to start. She may mean only those ships right now and then the other ships when they are ready to sail, but she could also mean the entire fleet has to be certified before they're able to sail. In either case, this could put a real crimp in Carnival's plans if, you know, let's say they want to sail on December 1st and this judge says, yeah, um, I need 60 days to look at all of your certification. That could push things back a bit. You know, it seems like tourism, especially cruise tourism, is very important to Miami-Dade County. I'm wondering why this judge is trying to push back when they're trying to put people back to work. This judge is taking it not from the point of view of uh, tourism or jobs. She's looking at it from the sense of the environment. She is clearly very, very uh, much of the belief that Carnival has, you know, done some very bad environmental things. And, you know, they, they, they did get caught doing some things that they shouldn't have done and they've, they've been punished for it and they've paid fines for it. She does not think that they have been held to a high enough standard. And so she is basically saying that she will determine the level of compliance that they have reached and whether it's appropriate that ships are allowed to um, operate in U.S. waters again. Uh, Kind of funny how one judge has a control over everyone's jobs, whatever. Yes, it is. Royal Caribbean is giving us a glimpse of what we can expect when their first ship returns to service. Yeah, this is something we've talked about a lot, that slowly but surely we're seeing ships returning overseas, and they're implementing the various health protocols that we have talked about a lot. And it really gives us not only an idea of what we can expect when sailings start here, but it also gives us, you know, not only us, but really the cruise lines, a chance to look and see how it's working. Um, Arnold Donald, the CEO of Carnival, has talked several times about how Every ship that sails overseas, you know, whether it's one of his brand or whether it's another brand, 
it gives us more information. And you can never have too much information, especially in this situation where we are literally sailing almost blind. You know, they're developing these protocols and they need to see how they work. One thing that's come out of this is that when Royal starts sailing out of Singapore, they will be doing so at a 50% capacity. Uh, that is a much lower number than I've heard with most other lines. Nobody has actually come out and said for, um, say, say, for Carnival or Norwegian, no one has given a specific number yet. They've talked in vagaries about what, you know, what the percentage is that they can sail at and make a profit and what they think they might sail at. But, but uh, where the ships in Singapore are concerned, Royal Caribbean has said it will sail at no more than 50% capacity. So that's really interesting. Everything else they're putting into effect is pretty much the same things that we've seen, whether it was from the Healthy Sail Plan, which is put together by Royal Caribbean and Norwegian Cruise Line, or whether it's the program that was put forward to the CDC by uh, the Cruise Line International Association. It's almost exactly the same across the board. So while it's not all that different as far as you know what's being put into motion, it is a chance to see how these things work. And so Royal Caribbean has the wow band, which is kind of like Disney's magic band, if you've ever been to like Walt Disney World or what have you. Um, but it looks like they're actually trademarking another wearable device. Yeah, this one, it's got a cute, catchy little name. It's called the Tracelet. And as the name implies, it would make it would it would really help them to do contact tracing. So let's say you have an illness and they want to see who you've come in contact with over the last 24 hours because they want to reach out to those passengers and say, hey, can you swing by medical? Let us take a temperature. You know, maybe we're going to do another test on you. The device will basically track where you have been over the last 24 hours and let them see, based on what other tracelets you came in contact with, who they need to get in touch with. So, you know, this is another example of not only cruise lines using technology in in a really, you know, kind of cool, creative way, but them doing something that no one else is doing. You know, Walt Disney World is not, in, is not issuing bracelets so that they can see who you might have come in contact with when you came off Space Mountain because you've got a fever. This is something that the cruise lines are doing that once again proves that they're going above and beyond what's required. And it is also something that I could really see becoming, you know, used in more locations. Like, you know, I, I mean, you can actually see this being something that becomes widely adapted because it's such a smart idea. You know, in truth be told, you know, Disney or the airlines would not want to see this technology evolve in their space. No, no, not at all. Uh, I mean, you know, right now we're seeing it's interesting as we are waiting for the CDC to sort of say that ships can sail. We're seeing in California, Disneyland, um, you know, they just were told that they can open under very, very, very strict um, restrictions. But they haven't put in place you know, a third of the protocols that ships are putting in place. And yet cruise ships are still docked. Interesting. So one cruise line says they are returning to sea on December 18th. This is the Bahama Paradise Cruise Line, which sails, you know, um, they have two ships, the Grand Classica and... Yeah, this is the Bahama Paradise line. They have two cruise ships, the Grand Classica and the Grand Celebration. They are only bringing one back right now. They will, at some point down the line, bring the other back, but they haven't announced exactly when. What's really interesting to me about this particular story is the date that they have chosen, which is December 18th. The reason this is so interesting to me is... 
from the beginning, this particular cruise line has been very bullish in their plans to return. Um, you know, they it really seemed as if the minute the no sale order lifted, they planned on setting sail. You know, the, um, so right now the no sale order goes through October 31st. I really assumed that this cruise line would be the first one out of the gate and they'd be like, okay, we're sailing, you know, 10 minutes after the order expired because of how really aggressive they've been in their plan to return. So it's interesting to me that for some reason, uh, despite the fact that as far as we know at this point, as we record this, the 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 ban will be lifted on November 1st. They're actually waiting like six weeks. So I'm not real sure what the holdup is there, but it's another cruise line making plans to return. And that's certainly always a good thing. And ending on a warm and fuzzy here, a Carnival cruise ship comes to the aid of boaters in distress. Yeah, this is the Carnival Sensation, which, like all other ships, does not have any passengers on and is um, sort of, you know, out to sea. They came across a ship that was having some problems, and they got closer, and they provided them with food and water and blankets. But at a certain point, the smaller ship started taking on water. So as is their responsibility under the Maritime Code, the captain and crew of the Carnival Sensation took on board these 24 passengers and sort of, you know, took them to medical, gave them some tests, then uh, separated them from the crew. So they were, um, you know, they were they were basically in their own form of quarantine and rescued them. This is this is one of those nice stories that even though the ship is not currently in service and does not currently have passengers, they're still operating, you know, they're still out there and they were able to be in the right place at the right time to help these 24 people and who knows what would have happened otherwise. And there were, you know, children on board. So this is definitely a feel good story. Listener question comes from Thomas. Email your questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. He says, I don't see any sailings from Florida to Bermuda. They all seem to be in the Northeast. Why is that? You know, that's a really good question. Anybody who knows me knows that I know nothing about geography. So I had to do a little bit of research here because I sort of in my brain assumed that Bermuda and like the Caribbean were, you know, right next to each other and that it was sort of the same distance from Florida to anywhere, but it's not. As it turns out, if you're sailing out of, say, New York City, it's about 750 miles to Bermuda. If you're sailing out of Florida, it's around 1,100 miles, something like that. So there is quite a big chunk of change difference between the two. That's probably the primary reason. It does, I will admit, it seems odd to me that they don't do sailings to Bermuda just because, you know, it's another destination. You know, every ship that sails out of Florida goes um, to to uh, the Caribbean, the Eastern Caribbean, the Western Caribbean. You would think that maybe sometimes they would want to go to Bermuda. But I guess if you're going to go to Bermuda, you do it out of whether it's Boston or New York or even like Norfolk, Virginia has some sailings. But Thomas is right. The majority of sailings are out of the northeast as opposed to out of Florida. Yeah, because you're talking about, well, two extra sea days, essentially. Yeah, exactly. But you can take a, say, seven-day trip out of New York where you are docked in Bermuda for two days, or you can take a four-day out of New York where you just go to Bermuda for the day and come back. So you would think that you could do that out of Florida, do it and have the extra sea days and make it a nice long trip. But maybe maybe that's too many days at sea. You know, um, Carnival has done a lot of research into what's considered the perfect amount of sea days. And it seems like once you get over like two sea days on either end, people start to get a little 
antsy. Now, not me. I'm I'm a sea day guy. I I could I could spend all all of my trip on sea days and just not stop anywhere. But that seems to be the case. So as far as we can tell, that's the primary motivation behind there not being sailings from Florida to Bermuda. And that's why you are not in itinerary planning and why you are the staff writer. Richard Sims, thank you, man. <laughs> thanks, thanks again, Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. I am going to be perfectly honest when I tell you that I have been waiting for this interview for the past week, ever since I first learned about this Bitcoin cryptocurrency cruise ship that's going to be happening over in Panama. I just have been so intrigued. So I reached out to Chad Elwertoski. Chad is one of the guys backing this cruise ship residence venture, and he joins us on the line. Hey, Chad. Thanks, Doug. Okay, Chad, so we're in this thing called a pandemic right now. There's cruise ships for sale, cruise ships being scrapped, what have you. You say, wow, there's cruise ships for sale. I want to buy one and turn it into a floating residence at sea. Was this your brainchild? Actually, that was um, myself and my business partner, uh, Rudiger. Uh, we, we were just sitting here talking as things started getting going with the pandemic and seeing that the you know, cruise lines were being shut down. I definitely feel bad that it had to happen that the cruise ships were shut down. I mean, I'm a, I love going on cruises myself and it sucks that such a bad thing happened to the cruise industries that they were scrapping and selling off ships. So hopefully we can make something good come out of a bad situation with this. Aside from this residence at sea cruise ship, you have your hand in a thing called sea pods. What exactly is a sea pod? I'm looking on the website and it's pretty much exactly what it sounds like, a capsule in the middle of the ocean. Right. Yeah, that's the idea of uh, the company Ocean Builders is to build floating, basically turn the 70% of the world that's covered by water into floating real estate. Um, the idea being that on land, you have to destroy nature to build a home, build roads, build everything. But we're trying to create sustainable uh, homes on the water, which our prototype actually, we had that in the the sea for two months and it was just thriving with life after putting it in the water. So we put real estate into the water and we we create life instead of uh, building um, buildings on land and destroying life. So were the sea pods down in Panama as well? Yep. We have a factory set up on the Caribbean side of, of Panama, and we're just about to get the first sea pod built here in January that will go into the water. So then it was a natural fit from sea pods over to the cruise ship residents at sea, because the whole deal is to get people out on the water. 
Right. Like I said, we, we want to start getting people on the water, uh, living on the sea. We started projecting the the amount of these, uh, our homes, the sea pods that we could build. And, you know, we're, we're looking at maybe one a month. So by next year, we might have 10 of these built. You know, especially with the pandemic, we're just like, you know, people are just want to get away from land and just go go live somewhere in peace. And we thought there would be a lot of demand just to, to get out on the water, get away from everything. So our 10, 10 homes a, a year, we're not going to cut it. So when we saw with the uh, cruise industry going down, we figured, you know, prices are going to come down quite a bit. So we might have the opportunity to get one. And uh, fortunately, we... We were able to buy one. What were the prerequisites when you were looking for a cruise ship? Like, what made this former P&O ship the perfect ship to buy? Uh, well, it had to be at least 200 meters long because uh, it's stationary in the Gulf of Panama. So we're looking at the uh, height of the waves and having a stationary cruise ship. And you know, the smaller it is, the more susceptible it is to movement in the in the waves. Whereas if it's bigger, then uh, you know, the two meter waves that might hit once a year in the Gulf of Panama will will hardly affect anybody on the on the ship. So we were we were basically looking for as as big a ship as we could, and uh, fortunately we we were able to get that with a MS Satoshi at uh, 250 meters long. You just mentioned the word stationary. So this is actually going to be just anchored off the coast of Panama and not like the cruise ship of the world where you buy a luxury cabin and you're constantly on the go? Correct. And uh, I think they were talking about the the rooms on there, at least, I don't know how, how much it is, like a million dollars, something like that, or 100000 a year. Um, these will be a lot less. But yeah, we'll be stationary. We'll be 30 minutes outside of Panama City here in Panama. Uh, we are within Panamanian territorial waters with a Panamanian flag, so we are completely under Panama law. Okay, so let's talk about the bidding process, because I'm sure everyone listening also has the same question. It starts at $25,000, but they also start at $50,000. What's the difference between the two prices, just the cabin size? The $25,000 ones are the interior room, and the $50,000 are the balconies. We also are, will be selling the Ocean View for $35,000. So yeah, it's just like on eBay, the bidding starts at that price. We'll be selling 100 cabins in November. That's the starting price. And this has never really been done before. So we don't know what the if, if they'll all go for the lowest bid or they'll go up go up a few thousand dollars. I'm not, I'm not sure because uh, there's really no... No market to compare against to to figure out how much are these gonna gonna cost. Uh, I think we we put the lowest lowest room just just so we could break even. I do a lot of eBaying and I actually buy a lot of stuff on eBay, um, especially like cruise ship memorabilia and stuff. Are you familiar with sniper bidding? Yes, and so, we definitely made sure that there's nothing that that cannot happen. If somebody bids on your room on the last 24 hours, then the the bid gets extended another 24 hours okay so fair definitely want to avoid that and we'll have a a buy it now for higher than the the actual price okay so just like ebay you can bid or you can buy it now so i buy it i win the auction what are my hoa fees a month definitely there's a a monthly fee and i'm i'm working with the ship management company um we hired uh, columbia cruise services which handles a lot of uh, cruise ships 
already. So uh, they have plenty of experience in this. But um, I'm working with them to get an estimate on the all the costs that will will go into like the monthly the monthly costs that they have, and then we're going to be renting out all the commercial space, like the restaurants, the bars, the everything, uh, the casino, the theater. So actually, if people want to run one of those, you can definitely rent a business and run your business. So we'll be renting those out, and then the remaining costs will have fees, monthly fees for the capital. So I have to ask, as far as electricity and water, is that metered then, like you pay per month? Right. Initially, I think electricity and water will have to be included because that's kind of how the whole system's set up. We will eventually have metered electricity for each room. Just uh, as time goes on, I think um, the electricity needs will, will change for for each people. Um, maybe somebody wants, might want to run a lot of computers in the room or something like that. If you're, if you're not really going to be using a lot of electricity in your room, you should be needing to pay for them running up the cost. So um, we'll try to make that as individualized as possible. Initially, it'll probably be um, factored into the monthly fee. What's the internet situation going to be like? Because for someone like myself, who I can pretty much do my show from anywhere in the world, long as I have a really good, solid internet connection, what is it like going to be like on the ship? Right. I'm definitely, yeah, I'm a software engineer, so my life is on the computer. So it's got to have, and I'll be living on the ship, so it's got to have high-speed internet. Fortunately, in Panama City, I did some discussions with some internet companies last year when we were looking at getting internet for the C-Pods. And I know near the city for these office buildings, they're getting um, wireless transmission to the offices at over 200 megabit per second. And we are close enough to Panama City. I think um, we'll have line of sight all along the coast to get uh, high-speed internet. Are you going to be close to like the shipping lane? Like, could you see some some ships, you know, getting ready to transit the Panama Canal from where this vessel will be docked? That's the key for our choice of location. Uh, which right now we're kind of asking Panama if we can get on the southwest side of the island called Taboga. The reason we want to be in that location is because we know there's going to be no interference with shipping uh, with the shipping lanes because. A ship would have to purposely go out of its way, uh, almost crashing into the island to uh, come anywhere close to us. So Panama, the canal is their their number one economic hub. So mm-hmm. we are going to make sure that we, we do not startle them in, into thinking that maybe we might interfere with their their main bread and butter. Okay, so this is going to be a self-sustaining community. You're anchored off the coast of Panama. How does it work on board as far as like a police force or some type of security? Uh, we have the same security as uh, cruise ships have. Columbia Cruise Services will be hiring security. There's cameras all over the, the ship, just like any other cruise ship. So if anything, anything should happen, it should be very easy to find out who did it. And, you know, most people being on the ship at all times, uh, we'll be able to track them down, but uh, we're we're under Panama law, so any crimes that happen, we'll definitely be cooperating with the local police force, and they call it the Aero Naval here. But mm-hmm. uh, we will be in uh, full cooperation with them. All right, that's good to know. Can you sublet? Like, if I bought one but only wanted to stay on board uh, three months a year, could you sublet the other nine? Yes, our assumption is that 
there's a lot of people like in the U.S. or Europe that that's where they live. That's where they're making their money. You know, most people can't just get up and move to Panama. So our assumption is, okay, you buy it as an investment. Maybe you come down one month a year. And then after a while, you, you figure out how to actually move down and live on the ship full time. But uh, yeah, we, we want to encourage people to sublet, either rent it um, long to long-term renters or to uh, tourists, uh, short-term renters, or even just rent yourself if, uh, if you want to give it a try. Were you at all concerned launching the first phase of bidding at a time when cruise ships are getting so much bad publicity because of the pandemic? We assume that at some point this is going to be, <laughs> this right. will turn around. Yeah. I mean, it has to. I, I would hope that after a year, um, things would eventually come back to normal. It's only It was only supposed to be two weeks to flatten the curve. So <laughs> um, hopefully by January when we start, hopefully allowing residents, they will be able to come on and we're going to take all the precautions we can mm-hmm. to actually fly into Panama. At least you have to have a, a negative COVID test and we're hoping to utilize, they have a 15 minute quick test that ideally you would get on the ship, you take the 15 minute test, you go sit in a, a cabin for 15 minutes while you wait for your results. And then, uh, when you're negative, go on board. These ships that have been sitting out there for six months now and mm-hmm. nobody's been on there, I think they're pretty much, at this point, you know there's no COVID on there because nobody's had it. <laughs> you just mentioned that January, people could start taking up residence. That's a pretty tight turnaround. Are you going to be able to like keep that schedule? Just a caveat to that, it'll be the early stages. So mind the construction. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, we're, I think in December, we're going to do everything to get the... Uh, the loud grinding and noises and stuff, you know, taken care of first before people start coming down. But yes, we we definitely would want to do January, and we're hoping actually to do. Well, I don't want to use the word conference because that's that's a bad word these days. But we just hope to kind of do like a launch party sometime close to February. This is a very interesting project, my friend. If listeners want to find out more information about the MS Satoshi in the bidding process, where can they go? Uh, go to ocean.builders slash cruise ship or just ocean.builders. Go to the, the page with the cruise ship and down on the bottom, you can register for the auction. Auction begins November 5th. Remember the 5th of November. And- that's when you can auction. All right. $25,000 in some monthly HOA fees and a piece of a cruise ship could be yours. I like it. You can go to ocean.builders to check out more information on this and the bidding process. Chad, thanks for stopping by again, my friend. Good luck down there in Panama. I'm rooting for you. And I'm not going to lie. I'm obsessed with this project. All right, Craiger, it's all you. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got here, buddy. ba 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 da ba da Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.